Hello and welcome to Step and Repeat, a weekly movies and award show podcast by your two neighborhood friendly film buffs. I am Andrew. And I'm Matt. And we're here for a special episode, a bonus episode. Uh, And it is one of my favorite episodes because we get to count down our top 10 movies of the year. Yay. I, if you can't tell, I'm actually very, very excited (laughs) to do this. I'm excited. I'm nervous excited, but I'm, you know, I always like get a little nervous (laughs) doing these lists because I'm like, is it really like, this is my final, final list. But then it's like, eh, some of these are just like so close in ranking that I'm like, I feel bad like rating some of these. (laughs) Oh, I know. So like, I guess full disclosure about our top tens, it's kind of funny to rank them because like you... It's fun to rank them, but like while you're coming up with a list, you realize how meaningless it actually is. Yeah. You're like, uh, is number nine that significantly, you know, higher than <laughs> number two? So uh, it's it's all the same. I mean, I guess you could say these are just like just 10 movies that I really liked this year. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, this is like our most meaningless podcast of the year, but it's like the most fun. <laughs> I know. There's like something so inherent about ranking like we love to rank things just like as a society it's like we're obsessed with ranking and uh that applies to movies too so yeah that's very fun um and like so all this to say like don't take too much stock in our ranking like don't at us if our number five should have been higher than our number one (laughs) yeah really like some of these are just so close and it's like it's really in the end it's like these are just our opinions, you know, like you like what you like and you don't like what you don't like. And it's like really up to you. It's just, these are like, like what I always say is like, these are our personal preferences, not necessarily like what is like considered, you know, the best, like, you know, universally by critics or whatever. It's just, these are our personal favorites. Yeah. It can be like, it is what you make of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So There's no rules. Yeah. Um, except, well, speaking of rules though, I, <laughs> yeah, we do have some rules. <laughs> Some rules. Um, Okay, so the rules that I made for myself, I didn't ask you, Matt, (laughs) what you did, but what I considered a movie in 2020, which was by all means a very weird year for movies, uh, for obvious reasons, um, I considered a release in 2020 anything that came out theatrically uh, or on some sort of... um, streaming or rental in an like in an extended run so i did not include things that only played at film festivals which were virtual yeah yeah um so my my rule was really all minor 20 minor minor if they like came to a streaming service or like came out this year like for example this movie isn't in my top 10 spoiler alert but like the assistant is like in my list of movies I've seen that came out like at a film festival in 2019, but like was a ride release in 2020. So like, to me, that was like a 2020 movie. Um, but like for movies like, um, like that have premiered at film festivals and haven't come out yet, like they aren't like on my list. So it kind of is the same as yours. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I can say. So where this gets like somewhat tricky and this is, at least a taste of things to come for me. Um, 
there may be one or more movies that had very small, limited releases in 2020, like a one week run on like a virtual platform that uh, are not available to everyone yet, but will be very soon. So that is like the sort of caveat here uh, for me. Yeah, it's it's such a weird it's such a weird year because I think everything got a lot of the stuff I wanted to see got you know pushed back and there are some movies I well there are movies that were released that I haven't seen like a few um, but like there like you like you've seen I know a couple that I haven't seen like film festival movies which I know are coming out in like January and February so um, yeah, like those will really, be on my like I still need to see list yeah there really aren't that many that I've seen that are like extra I think it's like maybe three. Uh, three people that I've seen um, that have, that didn't get, um, that were, uh, excuse me, that were only festival only. Yeah, yeah. So so um, I think people got it. <laughs> I think they're like, yeah, come on, yeah. let's okay, get to it. <laughs> just get to it. Uh, okay, um, so to, I guess, establish more rules, uh, what we'll do is we'll count down 10 to one, uh, alternating, our favorites of the year. Uh, so 10, 10, 9, 9, et cetera. Um, and the person who is talking about the movie will get three minutes to talk about the movie. And then the other co-host will get one minute for rebuttal or to add whatever they want. Um, so uh, just to keep us on time, because otherwise we'd be here for hours. <laughs> yeah, we have our handy dandy phone timers. Yes, yes, I'm about to pull mine up. Um, and I think we'll flip a coin for who goes first, right? Well, this this year ending on a um, 2020 pandemic note, I have a battery, uh, one of these flat batteries <laughs> to flip. So one side's positive and one side's negative. Two words we've heard a lot this year. So, <laughs> all right, so I'll flip a coin. Um, Andrew, do you wanna call it in the air? Okay. Let's say positive or negative, all right, ready? Yeah. Positive. It is positive. <laughs> I'm cheering being positive. <laughs> Your first positive result of the year. <laughs> All right. So I guess uh, you get to choose. And last, because we're recording this on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, don't count your chickens. We still got a, we still got a little bit. True. Um. I know. We'll find out in several <laughs> hours. Um, oh, okay. Do I want to go first or last? I will go first okay i'll go all right cool uh i can't remember if i went first or last last year uh even I though remember I to our episode <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right so you got your time ready to keep, I do. keep me on point as we go through our top 10 um and uh okay i'm ready to go through uh, top all right. 10 all right all right Tell me when to start. Five, four, three, two, one, and go. Okay, my number 10 movie of the year is Palm Springs, which is uh, a movie when people ask for a recommendation, that's the movie that I offer to give. Uh, because it's like funny, it's smart, it's short, and it's readily available. So it's just streaming right on Hulu for anyone that has an account. Uh, and like the short premise is that it's one of those quote unquote time loop scenarios you may have heard about. Uh, but what like Palm Spring does differently 
than like a movie like Groundhog Day or um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow is how self-aware of the universe that it plays in. Like it exists in a universe where people know about time loop movies. <laughs> uh, so I like really love that self-awareness to it. Um, plus in 2020, we all can relate too heavily about uh, waking up uh, and feeling like each day is the same, <laughs> day after day, uh, repeated uh, again and again. Uh, plus Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti uh, have fantastic working chemistry together and like make this movie go by like a breeze. Uh, I think it's something everyone can appreciate. And um, I wanted to uh, include stuff like comedies and since I'm like usually like a drama person and this is like a lighthearted stuff and some of the other stuff on my list might seem kind of serious. So I like wanted to show that like I do like light movies too. And I think this movie is fantastic. So Palm Springs, number 10. All right, you still have a minute left. <laughs> oh, good. I, yeah, I mean, I can forfeit my time. Like right. keep, keep it as short, short as possible. So All right. We have a well, whole episode on it. Go back and listen to it. Yeah. Um, I really don't have a rebuttal. Um, I agree with you. I think it's a great movie. Um, Andrew and I might have a lot of overlapping uh, <laughs> movies on our top ten list. Oh, my God. Um, Could you imagine if our top tens are identical? Uh, well, they are not so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I agree with everything you said. I love Palm Springs. I think it's a great movie, and it was a fun getaway from what this year was. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, that's really all I have to say. So. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend it. I watched it twice this year. So one of the few movies I rewatched. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, under time. Wow. Look at us. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I had to schedule. All right. So my yeah. number 10, do you have your time right. already? I have my time already. Cool. All right, and go. All right, so my number 10 um, is, uh, well, so I was deciding between two movies here, and I wasn't sure which one to pick. So uh, I, my number 10 uh, is the first Disney Pixar movie to come out this year, which was Onward. Uh, I was actually debating in between putting Soul or Onward as my number 10. Soul is actually my number 11. Um, and I said last week, on last week's podcast, when we talked about Soul, I briefly mentioned I liked Onward a little more because I related to it, but literally Dick, these two are like, if I could have a tie for number 10, these two would be both be number 10. But Onward took the took the uh, slight edge for this one. So um, we didn't get to, we didn't get to a podcast this week on Onward because we didn't start recording until after Onward was released. But um, I, so I saw Onward, Onward was the second to last movie I saw in theaters. And um, I just remember I, I loved it so much and I was actually really angry at like all of the critics that were panning it saying it like, you know, wasn't like Disney Pixar's best or like whatever. Um, I I just like kind of like let every, like let my like, took my critic hat off and just, um, just enjoyed it for what it was. Like I knew it was like a B, B movie Pixar and I just like, I knew that's what it was gonna be. And I enjoyed what it was. I thought it had a great message and I thought it had a great story and I, um, found myself relating to it on a lot of levels. Um, I thought it was very, very emotional. I thought it was, I thought the message was great. Um, 
And, you know, it's a movie about, like, uh, what would you do if you were able to revisit or visit with a loved one one more time um, who had passed on? Um, and that was the ultimate message. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, like, oh, this is just, you know, Disney Pixar's attempt at, like, fairy tale creatures are, like, like it, they compared it to dream. Some people were comparing it to DreamWorks. And, um, you know, it, it felt like a Disney Pixar movie to me. And I enjoyed it. And I thought uh, the voice talents of um, Chris Pratt and uh, Tom Holland were great. Uh, and everyone else, I thought, did a good job. I um, thought the animation was beautiful. And yeah, I liked, I really enjoyed the story. So uh, yeah, Onward is my number 10. It's now available on Disney Plus. So. Onward and Upward. Onward and Upward. So, all right. Uh, I loved Onward. Uh, I had, um, I think what quote unquote sets it apart or makes it feel a little bit different than other Disney Pixar movies is this by design is an adventure movie. It's like a quest. I'm pretty sure they bring up the word quest like 80 times <laughs> in Onward. And yeah. I think a lot of Pixar movies, including Soul, um, and this isn't a knock on any of these movies, but they kind of have like a tendency to just like float to like one kind of peculiar situation to another. And it's like, oh, look, there's that fun thing. Oh, look, there's that fun thing. Like Finding Nemo does this, Inside Out does this, like all Wally does this, all these movies kind of do this. And um, uh, Onward is very structured in that sense. And like uh, moves, is plot heavy and I, I like that. And like, it still has the Pixar emotionality behind it. So, um, so yeah, so am I crying at the end? Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I think it's great. I, I really love Onward. Cool. All right. Well, um, I guess it's time for your number nine. Oh my God. Yes, we are doing so well on time. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, my number nine movie of the year is Another Round, which is my favorite foreign film of the year. Um, and I saw like a few foreign films that I really liked this year. So I tried to like diversify my top 10 as much as possible by like slipping in different genres of movie. And uh, so I put um, a movie from Denmark, Another Round. Uh, and but um, I think like most foreign films uh, have like stars in it um, who you like don't really know anything <laughs> about. This one has like a movie star in it that I think like a lot of American audiences would at least recognize. Um, and that's Mads Milkinson, um, who is in, uh, like, he's in James Bond, so he's in Casino Royale, and he was on the TV show Hannibal. Um, he's going to be the Johnny Depp replacement in the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Uh, so, so like, he's, a, like, a well-known actor. Um, and you would probably recognize his face, even if you don't recognize his name. Uh, and so the story is about a group of middle-aged men who test this hypothesis that having a cons consistent blood alcohol content of 0.05 will make them like more productive and happier. So they drink all the time <laughs> throughout the movie. And, um, and the experiment works, like it is like successful, uh, but the like, 
the caveat again is that uh, shocker, they build up a tolerance to all this and they want to increase how much they drink and like increase their BAC and like push the experiment there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, um, and again, shocker, that's like where things start to go wrong. (laughs) And like the experiment doesn't work so well. Um, It's hilarious. Like it's a blast to watch and uh, it's like, appropriately sobering like it doesn't take no pun intended yeah well kind of intended uh so it it takes like addiction like seriously you know to the point where um but not like over seriously so um and it's like very relatable like it's fun it's sad it's like a kind of like a celebration of the good and bad in life. Uh, and it was like, it was a blast. So, um, and it's available to rent at least like on demand right now. Um, I loved it. Another round. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Well, uh, came in 18 seconds under. Um, so another round was, is a movie on my list that I haven't gotten around to. Um, I do want to see it cause I am a Mads Malkinson fan. Um, and I think you've convinced me even more. I just, I haven't gotten around to it. This is one of those movies where it's like, you have to rent. And <laughs> I know, I've like, I know. I've like, try, I've like pushed those off. Um, so there's a few movies on my list actually that you have to rent. Um, but yeah, so that's that's on my list. I do want to see it, um, but I'm glad it's on your top 10. And shoot. <laughs> I know. I think now that's I'm like, like jealous. Sorry. (laughs) I think it's kind of like the bougiest movie on my list because like inherently it's like it's a foreign film. So it like seems bougie, but I promise it's like super accessible. It's I mean, from that, like I hope from my description of it, it like sounds like a fun movie, like something you'd want to watch. So I give it a chance uh, to hang out there. Yeah, I always take your recommendations. uh... Because I like you recommended the Queen's Gambit and I loved it. <laughs> so I always oh, like fair. I always enjoy your recommendations. So. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, another round. Uh, excited for the masses to see it, and I hope it does well at the Oscars. All right. Well. All right. All so right. my number, number nine. nine. Yeah. All right. So my number nine is. The Invisible Man. <laughs> Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Um, another movie that we haven't didn't get around to on the podcast. Um, so I actually love Elizabeth Moss's performance no. in The Invisible Man. I thought it was um, like her like her physical performance. I thought was incredible. Like like the what she actually had to go through, like with wiring and all this, like like being like beaten up and tortured. And, um, and I thought the emotions in her face, like like or just like her like bodily emotions and. Um, were just incredible. The way she reacted, like to <laughs> literally an invisible human being, um, was just incredible, and it blew me away. Um, I also was able to see this in like a Dolby theater, uh, which was actually awesome. Um, you like literally got to feel the emotions and um, like the surround sound. Like just it, it was just so it made it that much creepier and that much um, that much more of like in your face. I thought there was a lot of like really good uh, moments, like surprise moments, especially like the there's like I don't want to spoil anything, but like dinner the dinner scene, scene yeah, like, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, and I uh, like the ending wasn't my favorite, but I thought like the rest of the movie like really made up for it, and 
like, you know, I also, I always like to put like movies on my list, like my top 10 list, like that aren't necessarily like the mainstream of like the critics, you know, favorites. And I think The Invisible Man is definitely one of them. I know it was gen generally enjoy enjoyed by most people, but uh, not necessarily people's favorites, but it was definitely one of mine of the year. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really have much else to say on it. I just think it's a fun movie. It's a really good movie. Um, I thought like they did a really good job like remaking or like reimagining the original. Um, and I really hope if they continue on with the Universal Monsters that we move away from what they did with the mummy and do more like <laughs> the Invisible Man, bringing it into the modern, modern era. So um, yeah, the Invisible Man is my number nine. Oh, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interject you at the beginning there. Um, I was uh, upset at your memory because you said we didn't get to cover it on the podcast. And we did. We did a whole episode on it. Oh, we did? Oh, whoops. Oh. <laughs> Oops. It's been so it was, long. It's been quite. The yeah. It was our first pandemic pick of the week. Um, and I'm pretty sure we had Onward in our poll because like we did listener polls of mm -hmm. which movie we think um we should cover and the listeners chose the invisible man um right my fault it's been a long time <laughs> i should oh. have gone back and listened to it look at our so list. the invisible man will always have a special place in my heart because it was the first movie that i watched after first new movie that i watched after the theaters closed so um, I spent $19.99 on it. <laughs> I say that because it's like, that's probably the most money I've ever spent on a movie ever. <laughs> so yeah. to watch it at home and in like an Oops. IMAX. Oh, was that your own timer? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so it'll always, I will always remember it for that. I think I had like a glass of wine and uh, it was just like a mood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On a Saturday night, I think it was like wine and candle and I just like watched The Invisible Man. It was great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, it was, uh, will always be memorable for me. Cool. All right. right. Eights? Yes. And go. Okay, my number eight is one of the movies that I referenced that like had a small one week window and then is gonna get released uh, in full in February. And uh, that is the movie Minari. Ah. I know, I know, ah. so. <laughs> Don't um, say too much. <laughs> I won't, I won't. Um, because like so it barely counts under the rules that i made up for myself so it could like understand why other people wouldn't have this in the top tens um and i like won't say a lot because we'll probably don't want to speak for you but like we'll probably have a future episode on it <laughs> uh, no we will yeah and we've like brought it up like occasionally just like the actors and such uh but the brief story to build hype for everyone it's a semi-autobiographical -auto story about you know, Korean immigrants in rural Arkansas who build a farm and they like literally put down their roots. Uh, so I think you'd like expect a movie like this to deal in stereotypes and not even necessarily Asian stereotypes, but like rural like hillbilly stereotypes. 
Uh, and, but there's like nothing. There's none, none, zero stereotypes to be found in Minari. Um, and it's so refreshing because like, I think we're like conditioned to see like an immigrant story um, in the United States play out in the cities, right? Like you think of like New York or I don't know, Chicago, Los Angeles, wherever. Um, so like, it's like, really great to see like what so many immigrants in the country experience which is like life in rural america so uh um, so it's um it's really great it's extremely heartwarming like really well acted uh and uh just like a beautiful beautiful story uh that's all i'll say i hope i didn't give away too much. Um, was, I tried to keep it like broad of just like the stuff I liked, but no, no, that was good. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I feel like I have a feeling Minari will be would have made my top ten if I had seen it, um, but unfortunately I did not get the opportunity. So I am really looking forward to it. I'm really looking to, uh, forward to seeing Stephen Stephen Ian's performance. Um, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I, I I can't wait for it. I. Yeah, it looks amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, that's great. The um, the uh, uh, production company A twenty four is like my favorite production company, and they're batting a hundred or thousand as far as I'm concerned. They don't put out bad movies, so uh, this podcast is not sponsored by A twenty four. But it, if you'd like to sponsor us, we're not above that. <laughs> <laughs> But we will not only review eight twenty four movies. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, um, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about it like in full. Uh, well, uh, there is one eight twenty four movie that I will disagree with you on. Oh, <laughs> please, please tell me, because uh, I think I went other time. I hope. I uh, have you seen mid nineties? Oh no, I haven't. Yeah, uh, it's so bad. Yeah, oh, I awful. knew you didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, wasn't a fan of the lighthouse, but. Oh, I do like the lighthouse. We've so. already we've already had yeah. that discussion, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, there are those two, but those are I guess the uh, exception to the rule. So, all right, cool. Well, I'm excited for Minari. Um, all right, your number eight. All right, so my number eight was a movie I saw. I got the chance to see a couple weeks ago in my December cram, um, and that is Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Oh. Um, so. Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, um, is a heartwarming story of a young woman on her journey. <laughs> no, it's really not a heartwarming story at all. It's actually a coming of age story that's quite depressing. Um, uh, and it's a real, at least I think it's like one of the most real raw movies I've seen in quite like forever. Um, and it's about a girl, a high school girl who, um, becomes pregnant and uh, kind of lives in a in an abusive family environment um, and isn't really the most loved person at school um, and goes with her cousin, I believe, to New York to seek an abortion because she lives in Pennsylvania and her uh, pen, and in Pennsylvania it's illegal to get an abortion uh, without your parents' consent under the age of 18 and she is um, 17. So uh, you kind of go with, um, the main character's name is um, Autumn. So uh, you go with Autumn and her cousin Skylar, you kind of go with them to New York and um, you kind of go 
with Skylar, you're with Skylar through the whole process of getting an abortion um, and what she has to go through as a as a teenager to get this process done. Um, I think it's a movie that is very important. Um, I think there are certain individuals out there who really should sit down and watch this um, because it is that real and you really, I, at least I learned something um, from, from watching this. I learned and I sympathize more um, than what I did before watching this about, you know, teenage abortion and pregnancy. And it's, it's just, it's really heart-wrenching. It's really gut-wrenching and it's not an easy decision for anyone who thinks it is. Um, so that being said, um, as I said, I think last week in our episode, I don't feel like I have any right to criticize or say anything about this movie. I just want to say that I learned something and I appreciate the movie for what it is. And I think it is an important watch for anyone um, who cares about policy in this country uh, to see. So yeah, that's my number eight is never rarely, sometimes always. Oh, I'm listening. I'm learning. I will do better. <laughs> no. Um, uh, one of the great things about Never Rarely, Sometimes Always that I love, uh, on top of everything you just said, is um, it's also like this beautiful friendship story. I love friendship stories. Um, and there's like one moment in particular. It's a very simple moment of Autumn and Skylar. They... Um, they hold hands without giving anything away. They just like hold hands like behind a barrier. And there's this like, throughout the whole movie, there's this unspoken, like, I got you. Like, mm. uh, uh, attitude between them. Um, like, they don't have to say anything to the other to like know that they both have each other's backs. Um, and like what they go through throughout the course of the movie. Because then there's like this, side plot where Skylar goes off like with a boy, right? Too and Autumn has her back just as like Skylar has Autumn's back. So um it's beautiful. I love that movie. Love that movie so much. Yes. Right. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking as well. Yes, it is it's very heartbreaking. I cried. Yeah, but I mean par for the course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, lucky number seven, right? Yep. Uh, or eight. That was your number eight, right? That was my number eight. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, oh my god, did I uh, lose course? <laughs> okay. Um. So on to number sevens. All right. Uh, my number seven is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, which we just covered very recently <laughs> on the show. So I feel like there's not like a whole lot to, I need to re retread um but i think like the gist of my rainy's black bottoms that you can cut the tension with a knife it's like it's so uh dramatic um i mean it's a stage play so it should be uh and like again that's very much my shit. uh and uh i think like that sort of tension is assuaged through like the really really great music and amazing soundtrack uh and so that kind of adds levity to like uh, a great movie. 
Uh, and um, like, as we kind of like went over, um, it's like, tragically, it's Chadwick Boseman's best performance. Uh, and um, I think I love, like love Viola Davis in this role because she's the titular role uh, as like, she's like simultaneously in charge uh, and just over it, <laughs> which again, like I just find very much a mood. So, uh, so vibes, yeah, I know vibes, good vibrations, uh, and I think just like the result of all these things together is just electric and lively, um, all in like a very compact ninety minutes. Like again, it's a super short movie, so love it. Love my rainy's black bottom. And that's all. all right. Listen to our full episode if you want to hear. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I really like my rainy black bottom. I thought it was good. Um, didn't crack my top list. Uh, spoilers. I, spoilers. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I think you know. Obviously, I think Chadwick Boseman's amazing. For me, this is a performance movie. This is a. This is like. Chadwick Boseman, Viola Davis movie. Um, I, I really, I, I liked the set design. I liked um, the blocking. I thought, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that it that they that um, that it wasn't fences. And I and I said that on the podcast. Um, but for me, I, I guess the performance is kind of, and this isn't going to make sense, but I'm just saying things out loud. Um, the performances overshadowed the story for me. Um, or sorry, like front, um, upstage the, the story for me. And, uh, I just, I didn't fall in love with the movie as a whole, but I loved Chadwick and Viola. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's good, but I think the performances are better. Um, kind of like how I feel with the dark Knight. Um, uh, I like the pleasure, <laughs> don't love the movie. <laughs> well, I was uh, not expecting a Ma Rainey's Black Bottom comparison to The Dark Knight, but, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, <laughs> final performances. And all. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't Heath's final performance. It was, I think that was the Dr. Imaginary, yeah. 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 Yeah, so. Um, all right. I guess that's my first like re rebuttal, if you want to rebuttal. call it. Rebuttal. I know it's yeah. I like don't know what else to call it. It's okay. like it's like not even like a. It's not even like a yeah. disagreement. It's like okay, cool. Yeah. Response. Yeah, and it's not like I don't even like the movie. It's like I like the movie. Just, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. All right. Your so number seven. My number seven is a movie I talked about last week. <laughs> um, so I got to watch it a couple weeks ago, um, and that is First Cow. Uh, Yay. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so first cow, uh, I think we, yeah, we talked about it last week. Um, I think first cow is amazing. I think it's, um, I think the performances are really good. Uh, I think the story is, it's a slow burn. Um, but it's a, it's a good slow burn. It's a, it's a movie that you really have to pay attention to, but once you pay attention to it, you're really like invested. Um, I think the scenery is absolutely beautiful. Um, I was really drawn into this 18th century Oregonian territory um, that they explore. And I thought it was just very, again, another movie that was very real. It felt very real. It felt very much like the times. And it was a movie that I, another thing I learned, 
learned about. Um, who knew that like beaver fur was the thing in England in, <laughs> in the 1800s? Um, I didn't. And somehow they make the uh, the the movie make you care about beaver fur and oil cakes. Um, and it's but it's more than that. It's really a movie about friendship, and it's about friendship and um, how you grow and explore that bond over time, um, putting yourself in and how and what situations you guys or friends go through. Um, so like really like they're like uh, John McGarrow who plays Cookie, again, Cookie milks the cow. Um, and uh, Orion Lee um, who plays King Lou is a Chinese immigrant who who you really didn't see many of in Oregon in the 1800s at the time. Um, they form this unlikely friendship and uh, find out find a way to create their own business and um, steal you know milk from this cow that's owned by uh, to the uh, Toby Jones's character. I can't remember his name, um, but he's like a really you know really rich white guy. Um, so they ended up like profiting off of <laughs> um, his cow with his money <laughs> and uh, little to his uh, little to. Um, Toby Jones's uh, knowledge that, um, yeah, so then in the end, uh, I won't spoil it, but um, Toby Jones, let's say, is just not happy. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I, I think, you know, I just really loved First Cow. I thought it was a, I thought it was a nice, slow burn. It was a good movie to watch on a Saturday when there's nothing else to do. Um, I, I also said this last week, um, it's a movie I really wish I would have seen in theaters. And I know it was the last movie you saw in theaters because it's a movie you really need to pay attention to. It's a, really need, it's a movie you need to invest yourself in um, to get everything out of it. Um, and, you know, it's, a, it's an experience, I think. Um, the distractions around you are just not a good thing when you're watching. Speaking of distractions, that's my thing. So. <laughs> uh, All right, so yeah, first cow. First cow uh, now available uh, somewhere. <laughs> uh, uh, to rent somewhere. Um, I think. Uh, no, you can get it. It's showtime. It's streaming on Showtime. Oh, good to know. Thank you for um, thank you for the clarification. Uh, I um, one of the things that I really love about First Cow is uh, how it like displays um, life, sort of like at that period. I think like a lot of. Um, uh exploration movies tend to like romanticize the explorers right and like life uh living either like in the american west or um uh or wherever and like the like city town that they live in is like filthy <laughs> in, oh it's so gross yeah it's like and like that's kind of how it was <laughs> So, uh, so like that's a detail about First Cow that um, that I'm like so glad they got right, uh, which just like completely it it helps like immerse you into the world. Um, so uh, that is like something that I really really like and appreciated because um, it is like a universal like movie about like friendship, um, food, and capitalism. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I really like First Cow. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, okay. 
Number six. Yeah. All right. I will go for my number six. Uh, and my number six movie is Boys State, uh, which I had a number of like documentaries that I really loved this year. And uh, documentaries were like really accessible this year because um, because like the more streaming services that we get, um, streaming services like put a lot of documentaries on their platform, um, which I think is really great. Uh, so like Boy State is my kind of like token documentary of the year, uh, but I like loved a lot of other documentaries like um, Collective, Crip Camp, uh, and Dick Johnson's Dead. Those are all also really good documentaries. Um, but I think Boy State was one that like really stood above um, stood above the rest. Uh, and I think like the it like spoke to the times too. I know I say that term a lot and it's somewhat overused myself. So I'm guilty of that. But like there are literally thousands of books, movies, songs, TV shows, essays, articles like that are about political polarization, especially in the Trump era. Um, but like Boy State kind of like cleanly exposes how intoxicating politics is and like how easy it is to get like swept up in everything. And um, and I think like more importantly, how realistic politics is. So um, so like there are character, characters, these are real people. I don't know why I say characters. Um, <laughs> so these like people get, um, like they have like really good intentions at um, the, the boy state competition in Texas of like succeeding and like implementing policy and like, but their best intentions don't get them very far, <laughs> like aren't successful. And they learn um, their other like boys there who learn that um, like dirty tricks work and like dirty tricks work for a reason in politics. And you can see like how our adult quote unquote adult uh, political system like really works and how like these things are taught like particularly at a young age. Um, and while we're on that topic, like too, far too many of these teen boys in this movie are obsessed with abortion. <laughs> like it's weird. It's weird how much they talk about abortion. Uh, but um, it's like a doc, it's a documentary as I said, but um, it's a movie that had me like just as invested in the subjects of this movie than like, any other narrative feature this year. So I was just like, it really held um, held a lot of weight and water and was completely captivating to me. So Boy State, Apple TV Plus. Well, yes, uh, no, I agree. I agree with everything you said. I, uh, I thought Boy State was the, uh, I think it was the only documentary in this year even though two of those that you said, Crip Camp and Dick Johnson are both on my list that I haven't seen. Um, but yeah, I, uh, <laughs> uh, the only thing for me that really like held me back on Loving Boy State was the platform it streamed on was Apple TV Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, even though now um, yeah. Apple TV now has, is on PlayStation. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm okay with Apple TV now, so. Over the hurdle. <laughs> Over the hurdle, yeah. So, um, now that I'm now that I'm uh, I'm okay with Apple TV Plus. I uh, 
I guess I like Boise, Boise State that much more. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, no, no. But everything you said about Boise State is is um, very accurate, especially the uh, teen boys being obsessed with abortion, which is something I just will it's never weird. understand. It's really like, weird. Yeah. Can you please like <laughs> not know, like <laughs> like like normal boy things like video games and like I don't know whatever you Gen Zers prefer, but let's just wait a little bit on abortion until you yeah. <laughs> at least watch never really sometimes always <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah if that, that could fix their problem um yeah and if you um so voice eight brought to you by noxima <laughs> there's a lot of acne acne <laughs> yeah i could relate so all right Ditto. i think i can so relate I think... as like a 30 plus 30 something yeah right. <laughs> um, <laughs> i know all right so i think i'm gonna surprise you with my number six. Oh my god yay i love being surprised it's a movie i've changed my mind on <gasps> oh my god this is going to make me very very excited okay um what is it it's a movie i've i've thought about and it's had more of an impact on me the more i've thought about it and the more I thought about it, the more it grew on me. And I've realized how much I liked it and I didn't appreciate it when I first saw it. And then we reviewed it right away. So my number six is Nomadland. <laughs> oh, yay. Yeah. Um, didn't love it at first when it came out. But I think the more I talked to you about it and the more I read about it, um, the more I appreciated what it was and uh, ended up making my top 10. So. Um, yeah, I just think it had to, I had to digest it a little more. I think I watched it way too soon. Um, I also did not know a thing about it because I was avoiding everything. Um, but actually, I had kind of an epiphany the other day. I went back and watched the trailer. Um, and I thought to myself after seeing the trailer, I was like, maybe I would have liked this a lot more if I had seen the trailer. Um, I don't know why I thought that, but the trailer was like, it was, uh, I don't know, it was kind of impactful. It was, it, it was, I, I don't know what it was, but um, it made me think like, maybe I should start like getting myself a little more hyped up for these movies uh, that <laughs> I don't want to watch trailers for and don't want to spoil myself for it. But I, I, I don't, I do not know what it was. Um, but yeah, I guess I like appreciate it a little more afterwards. Um, I really appreciate the fact that they used uh, actual nomads. I thought Francis McDormand was incredible. Um, and I think maybe I was holding a little bit of resentment against her because she had already, she had just won an Oscar. And I like, like, I don't know if I don't want her to win again so soon. <laughs> um, but she was that, she was that good. And I just, I, I've got to stop denying it and uh, just embrace it. So my number six is Nomadland. Um, and I, I think this is a movie that I'm definitely going to go back and watch again when it's available for streaming. Yeah. Um, so a couple things. Uh, so the trailer for Nomadland hadn't come out when we recorded our episode. So if if you'll notice, like we did not have a trailer for Nomadland at like the top of our episode the way we usually do because there was no trailer yet. It was like kind of an early review for us too. So you had seen it like completely unawares. Yeah. 
yeah there was there was a slight teaser uh but that didn't but that, reveal much at oh all oh my god so. it's literally francis McDormand walking, walking yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and but like at the same time i wish i could say that was misrepresentative of the movie but it's not <laughs> so um but i feel like it's underselling it the sort of way uh, but it's a teaser trailer and that's like what teasers are supposed to be um uh and um the other thing i was gonna say like about my rebuttal um about like francis mcdormand is like um francis mcdormand is like um somebody speaking of people who are just like over it like francis mcdormand like couldn't care less about hollywood and like the whole like hollywood vibe and um like the oscars or like winning awards um in general uh so it's like it's almost it is ironic that like that the academy loves her so much <laughs> like we love that about you here's another one <laughs> like here's another award too so like the less she tries the more uh the more they award her not to say like she tries very hard no bad <laughs> it's not like it's not a phoned in performance at all uh, but it's like very um it's not a showy performance. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. It's like that quote from Forgetting Sarah Marshall: "The less you do, the more you the do." do. <laughs> Which, like, I know it's a stupid quote, but in the end, it like it's you know, it makes so much sense, especially in twenty twenty. Yeah. Again, another comparison I never thought you'd draw: Forgetting Sarah Marshall <laughs> and Nomadland. But challenge accepted. Uh, we got we five more to go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I um, adore Nomadland. Um, I think it's great. Cool. All right, so number five. Our top halfway fives. there. I know we're halfway there. Uh, okay. All right. Um, my number five, which I actually don't know if you've seen this movie yet. Um, Probably not. Um, you may have, and I could just be making this up, but I don't think we've talked about it. Um, um, you and I have talked about it. My number five movie is The Vast of Night, uh, which um, is available on Amazon Prime. And I think it's like this gripping atmospheric drama uh, that I'm convinced is like gonna end up being a cult favorite. Um, it'll have like a small, very passionate fan base of which I now consider myself a part of. Um, and also because it's like made on this um, minuscule budget and it's like very technically impressive um, because there's a lot of like long tracking shots and long takes um, with a lot of like zippy dialogue. Uh, and like, I love the script um, and like the story because it's like about two young people kind of like being their own sleuths in this like small New Mexico town in the 50s. Um, and they are like tracking down a potential UFO sighting. So, um, so like that to me is just like really cool. I think I described it on, I think it was, I did it on a, what are you watching segment? And I think I you described did. it, um, as like an alien invasion movie if Aaron Sorkin wrote it. <laughs> so, um, and I think that's like, I stand by that. Uh, and, but like at its core, like the vast of nights, like really about storytelling because like the two main characters, like one's a switchboard operator and, um, 
another one so like who works in like av like technical um equipment stuff um oh he's like and he hosts a radio show so um so it's like and throughout the course of the movie they like talk to people um who tell stories who tell these long stories and that's like what these like long takes are about so I, it's like and it obviously takes place in the past so it's this it's about like the variety of ways we like tell stories to preserve our culture. Um, so like in that way, I think it's really beautiful <laughs> too. Uh, and um, add in the alien UFO element. So it's like creepy and weird. Um, it's like nervous. Like I remember I watched it like in the pitch black when I first saw it and I was like, oh my God, I have no idea what's happening next. And this is uh, kind of creepy and scary in a way. Um, and it's, it was unsuspecting. It has no stars in it. Like no one you would recognize like new, new filmmakers. It's like their first films. So, um, so it was like an unsuspecting favorite and I absolutely loved it. So the vast of night. And yeah. I remember when you, uh, oh, there's your time. Oh, just in time. <laughs> Way to go me. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember when this was on what you're what you were watching, um, and I remember at the time you liked it, but I guess it had slipped my mind. So I guess now I will have to go back and watch it. Um, all right, cool. I'm glad you liked it. I am kind of shocked <laughs> it made your top ten, um, yeah. especially your number five. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. it like really it really connected with me. It was like it was again one of the other movies that I watched a couple times this year, and it like had just as much an impact the second time that I watched it because I really wondered after I saw it, it was like, were you just like in the mood for it? But I watched it again and I stand by, stand by everything for it. So vast of right. it's, it's um, a sleeper hit. Like if you want like weird indie cred, like super indie cred and something that's available on streaming, I would like, I think like a lot of people like the vast of night. So. All right, cool. It's going to be like, real big <laughs> no uh, i don't think it'll be like real big because it doesn't I, have anybody and, it, and it's not going to get oscars yeah i'm right. trying to think of like i'm trying to think of like any movies that are like now cult classics like donnie darko or like you know maybe jake maybe we found the next jake Gyllenhaal. i don't know yeah i mean they're young people they're young people in this and those are the people who are like prime for cult status yeah. so yeah all right so my number five is actually our first repeat on the list oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so my number five was your number 10, Palm Springs. Oh, yay. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. I, I say that after like every one of your movies. I'm like, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really don't know what else to say about it that you haven't said. Um, and other than what I haven't said in my rebuttal, I guess I kept my rebuttal short because I knew it was going to be in my top 10. Um, I just think it was a nice, you know, escape from reality, a reminder that we are in this constant time loop. I don't, that I really don't think we need, but you know, it's, it's there. Um, but I think, you know, Andy Samberg and uh, Christina Milioti, or I mean, not her, the mom. Yeah. Uh, just, <laughs> just were uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, they were a lot of fun to watch. And it was just, it was just such a breath of fresh air. It was such a nice break from this, like, the mundane. And even <laughs> yeah. though, like, and it's kind of like, I guess ironic is the right word because it's a story about doing the same thing every single day um so but it just it just felt like a break from reality and it's something i needed for an hour and a half and it was just so lighthearted and so 
funny um, and sweet. And uh, it just reminded me how much do I love Andy Samberg. Um, I'm a huge fan of his on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I think he plays, he does play Andy Samberg in this movie, but like a little bit more toned down, which I appreciate and I like. Um, so yeah, Palm Springs is great. I don't know how much more <laughs> we can say about it because we've had podcasts and we've already brought it up twice. So um, yeah, that's my number five. Yeah. Oh, and J.K. Simmons too. Is oh yeah, yeah. How could we forget? Awesome. Um, and June Squibb. <laughs> yes, June Squibb. Yeah. Who is also um, in Soul, by the way, which I like totally. Oh my god! Like, who is she in Soul? She's one of the old ladies who like is like on the escalator up to. Oh. Yeah, she oh. like. Oh, she's like, the one who says she's like 101 or something? Like yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. She's like, I'm 101. Yeah. And like, I was like, where do I know that voice from? And then like, it clicked like immediately as June Squibb, so. Oh, oh my God, I did not pick up on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Squibb's still going at it, man. Like, she's like, still uh, doing stuff. She was in Yubi Halloween. Love, love me some June Squibb. Yeah. What are the, okay, I hope this like, I think this is like kind of insulting to say about a comedy, um, uh, but like, I feel like Palm Springs is smart, right? Um, like, I, I don't want to like imply that other comedies aren't smart, but like Palm Springs like knows what it's doing too. And I said this like in our recap episode, but like, they don't spend too much time like belaboring on the like physics like part of it of like how are you stuck in, stuck in a time loop and they get that necessary stuff out of the way very quickly and um i'm like so grateful for that because like then they can actually get us to a story about characters so um so that's that's why i appreciate it i love palm strings yeah, I love that it doesn't take itself too seriously. And yeah, um, it just, it knows what it is. So yeah, there you have it. Okay. I I think, uh, not prediction, but thought, I I think, I think personally Palm Springs deserves best comedy at Golden Globes, but. <laughs> Golden Globes, oh my God, I know. This has like Golden Globes written all over it because it's like comedies in general are just a hard Oscar play, but like I hope it pictured actor actress like I yeah it. like in a normal year like this wouldn't even be considered, but like this year like I don't know I I liked it I think it <laughs> I think it should be a Golden Globe it's definitely yeah. definitely a nominee so yeah agreed hard agree right <sighs> okay the final four the final four. Um, so my number four is also a comedy, uh, and um, my number four also something I'm not sure if you've seen. Um, but I probably really not. To, I really want you to if you haven't. It is. I will. I will see all of your top ten movies that I have not seen. I promise you that. Oh, I I also agree to this thing. Virtual handshake. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh. So my number four movie is the forty-year-old version. Uh, oh yeah, I, another movie I want to see. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's so good. I really think you'd like it too. I I usually avoid saying that terms, but like, I think I think you'd enjoy it. It like feels like your type of movie. Um, oh, I know, I know. I just <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
It's just, I, yeah. yeah, no, no, you don't, you don't have to explain yourself. Like, <laughs> trust me, like, I have a million movies that it's just like, I know I would like it. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, the stresses, the stressors of being a, a yeah. movie fan. Yeah. I love the poster. <laughs> I think it's one of my yeah. favorite posters this year. Um, so it's available on Netflix. So it's like available for mostly, I'm going to assume pretty much everyone listening to us has a Netflix <laughs> access to a Netflix account. Um, but, uh, and this was the year of Netflix, like for better or for worse, because we were all stuck in our homes. Uh, and like, I think, um, I think the 40 version was the best Netflix movie that I saw, um, this year. Uh, and like, I think this is Netflix at its best. I think Netflix is at its best when it gives a platform, a wide platform to, um, to like small movie makers and like exposes like the masses to, um, to a smaller movie because like how many people in like rural America or small towns um, or even small cities, like they don't have access to like indie movie theaters. So like a lot of the stuff that we may talk about like on our lists or critical stuff, like these people feel left out because like they don't have the chance even to see them. So like Netflix giving these sorts of new movies a platform, I think is just like fantastic and the best, like the best that the platform can do. Um, and so like the 40 year old version is a perfect example of that. Um, and Rada Blank is like the find of the year. She's like the writer, director, and star <laughs> of the 40 year old version, um, which is like the story about like a 40 year old teacher and playwright who kind of starts anew uh, to, because she's like done with like her current life uh, to start like a career. Oh crap. <laughs> you're, you're okay. Ten Can I get seconds. like 10 seconds? Okay. Um, it's laugh out loud hilarious. It's like super warm to its characters and it's like really perceptive to the way that the state of the world is. Um, and it has amazing, amazing songs. Two shout outs to uh, the songs Poverty Porn and White Man with a Black Woman's Butt. So <laughs> <laughs> they're amazing. I love, highly recommend 40 year old version on Netflix. Sounds like Avenue Q songs. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so you're right. It's another movie I wanted to see that I did not get around to. Um, my only rebuttal for this is that is I'm going to express actually my frustration with Netflix. Um, I would not have even known about this movie if I didn't listen to movie podcasts or followed anyone on Letterboxd. Um, I don't think Netflix or nobody really advertised this at all. It kind of got lost in my Netflix shuffle. I hadn't seen it on my main page or anything um so again the only reason i know about this is because of of my outlets and what i listen to and what i what i'm subscribed to um so i don't think enough people know about this movie i don't think people or really care um which is in the end you know disappointing for the indie filmmakers that you speak about um so i i just i don't think it's not enough people know about it. So, um, and I don't fault really anyone except the distributor for that. Um, so the Netflix but, stuff uh, is like personalized to you. 
So yeah. advertisements that you get for like movies and stuff is like, is based on a formula that they have. Yeah. But outside of Netflix, yeah. you know, Netflix does advertise movies elsewhere all over the place. You know, they're more popular ones that they want people to see and they know people will watch. But the smaller movies like this, the indie movies that are genuinely good, you won't see anywhere except in your algorithm, um, which, you know, makes sense. Like if they're trying to reach like a certain audience, but if they want to actually get like, if they if they think this is a knockout, why not advertise elsewhere outside of Netflix? Um, that's just my personal questioning, but um, it is a movie I want to see. I do want to watch it and I'm glad it's in your top 10 and I'm definitely going to sit down and watch it. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And um, again, readily available. So, so people can, can get to it. Yes. With the means. Cool. All right. So my number four, uh, <laughs> well, speaking of not readily available, this movie is actually not <laughs> readily available at all. <laughs> so sorry about that. Um, so my number four is a movie that I, um, oh God, I hate to admit this. Um, I risked my life for <laughs> and went and saw the theater. Um, it would be Promising Young Woman. Um, yes. I... I know I'm really a terrible, terrible individual, um, but I did go to the theaters uh, to see this. I was socially distanced and wearing masks and was totally safe. I felt very safe. I felt fine. It was the second movie I'd seen in theaters this year. Um, the other one being Tenet. Um, and I thought it was well worth the risk and price of admission. Um, I loved Promising Young Woman. I thought Carrie Mulligan this was her best. I thought, in education is good, but this is her best. Um, Carrie Mulligan gives like, like the role of a lifetime. Um, so she plays a, uh, she has a not so common uh, quote unquote job of, um, or not so rare actually, because this actually does happen. Um, she's a woman who goes out to nightclubs and bars and pretends to be intoxicated and then takes men home um, and once they start to have their way with her, um, she kind of stops pretending to be drunk. Um, and yeah, she, uh, well, let's just say they're not too happy. Um, the guys aren't too happy. So she, she's kind of exposing men who take advantage of women. Um, and it, you're very pushed and pulled in Promising Young Woman because yes, she is exposing uh, men who do horrible, horrible things. Um, but at the same time, she's also reacting um, in a horrible, horrible way. <laughs> so uh, you're kind of like, you know, go girl. But uh, I, I don't know if that's like the, uh, <laughs> the justifiable route to go. Um, I, I don't, I'm not spoiling anything. I'm, I, you don't really, Throughout the film, you don't really know what happens to the men she has her way with, uh, except for a few circumstances. Um, but it's also there's also some side plots in there of her uh, her dealing with her past um, and her best friend Nina, um, and how that kind of intertwines to. And you kind of learn throughout the movie how her past catches up with her and why she does what she does. It's very hard to describe this movie without spoiling anything. Um, 
but it all leads to the end, which is just a knockout. The last 30 minutes of Promising Young Woman is are like so incredible. Um, and so it's like, it's so great to watch. It's, um, if you feel comfortable going to the theaters, I would, sorry. Oh no, <laughs> I no, I, I gave you an extra 10 seconds. So you could, you, you um, So if you, last 10 seconds, if you feel comfortable going to the theaters, highly suggest it, it's worth the price. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not advocating you risk your life or risk getting coronavirus, but um, hopefully it'll be on streaming soon. Uh, see it soon. It's good. It's great. Carrie Mulligan for the Oscar Best Actress. <laughs> and that's- I'm I'm so excited for Promising Young Woman. Uh, it it should because it's like a Universal movie, and we've talked about this. Universal has this like 17 day deal um, with theaters now, so. Um, 17 days after it comes to theaters, it should come to um, uh, on-demand platforms. So mid-January is probably like the likely time that we'll see it um, on-demand. So um, soon enough. So I'm like really looking forward to it too because it premiered at Sundance like last year and got like really great reviews out of Sundance. And I'm just like, so so excited because like the plot and i love carrie mulligan and um emerald Fennell, who's the director who you may recognize as camilla from uh, the crown <laughs> so or maybe not recognize because she's not in it but she's the director yeah. Of, yeah of it so um so like the talent attached um just like i i just am so excited for yeah. this movie and uh, Bo Burnham is also in it, um, who's mm-hmm. also really good, and as well as um, Alison Brie. So, yeah, just really good performances. Solid movie. Solid, solid, solid movie. I, I loved it. Ugh, I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. This is the I one. can't. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to you more about it. Um, but when when you see it, you know, I think we have maybe a show coming up on it. So, I just I, I lost my patience. I'm like, I need to go see this now. <laughs> I know. I know. I. Uh... Um, it's like really sad because um, three of the 2020 releases that I haven't seen, like that are probably like my three most anticipated, all have woman in the title. <laughs> and I hope this isn't like some sort of subconscious thing <laughs> on my behalf. So it's Promising Young Woman, Pieces of a Woman, and Wonder Woman <laughs> 1984. <laughs> so um i those are my three that i haven't seen that i'm most looking forward to um so probably i've seen two of those (laughs) yeah um is the third the one that you haven't seen promising or uh, excuse me pieces of a woman yeah 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 well we'll it's more at length (laughs) yeah some of us aren't privy to uh the early releases in this pandemic (laughs) i know Hello. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait to talk about that more. Promising young woman. Uh, okay, top three. Top three. Top three. Okay. So my number three is another repeat. So I think I think this is where we're gonna start to intersect. Yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna get some repeats here. Um. So my number three is never rarely, sometimes always, and. Uh, so when movie theaters shut down in March, like it was clearly like a bummer for everyone involved, like the ideal way to see a movie is in the movie theater, not at home. 
but uh, the flip side of that coin is in adversity, in adversity lies opportunity. So um, I think it was really great that many people got more of an opportunity to watch, never rarely, sometimes always, than they would have if it had come out in theaters. So like I secretly hope out there like this movie like connected with like people who just like a family who casually rented it even though i mean i don't know how many families rented this movie but like i hope it, this got to the right audience by being available at home instead of in theaters is what i'm saying um and i would say i think you said you said it was like hard to describe you wouldn't call it heartwarming right um i would call it like heart clutching. Oh. I was I was being facetious. No, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. But you you knew that like heartwarming wasn't the right word. But yeah, no, 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 not, not yeah. But heartbreaking. Like, yeah, um, it's it holds on like close to you. It clings close to you, um, and like about for all the reasons that you said, you know, being in rural Pennsylvania and having to go through all these obstacles. Um, in order just to get an abortion. And um, like, again, it's not the type of movie that would like play to a wide audience, um, but like it found its way on demand for um, for better, for worse. And I think it's just like gorgeously captivating uh, and without giving it away, I think it has the best scene of the year, which is the scene where it gets its title, never, rarely, sometimes, always, which I didn't know why it was titled that when I first saw it. And you get to the, the scene where you know why it's called never, rarely, sometimes, always. And it just like, it hits you like a brick, and, like a brick wall. <laughs> and it just like was, I was completely, completely blew me away. So Never rarely, sometimes always, which is available cheaper now. <laughs> and you don't have to pay twenty dollars for it. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, I think we've I really don't have a rebuttal. Um yeah. <laughs> I think I've seen it. I've, I've said everything I need to say about it. So yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. When it comes to like our lists, again, like these movies are so like especially like my top eight are so close together. It's really like, you're just assigning a number to Like, I really love the movie just as much as you did, but <laughs> I just, I just. Oh, I know. oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I got never really sometimes I was on Amazon for like three ninety nine. So. Oh, wow. I paid like $20 for it. So. <laughs> Well, <laughs> you did. Yeah. Patience, patience is a virtue, my friend. Yeah. Patience is a virtue. Oh my gosh, I wish. Uh, um, no, I I don't regret it actually. I like really. Um, I did not regret spending twenty dollars on that movie at all. Yeah, yeah, worth the price. So. Yeah. All right, my number three is, um, Mangrove. <laughs> oh, oh, you went controversial, or at least controversial in the is it a movie? <laughs> I will explain. Please I will do. explain. Yeah. I have the right to put Mangrove in my top 10. I have spent five weeks with the Small Axe series, yeah. thinking about it constantly, watching, you know, and rewatching and whatever. 
Um, is it a movie? Is it TV? Doesn't matter. It's going in my top 10. Um, I, I just feel justified putting it there. Um, it's really like a, like a conglomerate, like small acts, but like Mangrove is like kind of the representative of the series for me. It felt more like the movie of the entire series. Um, whereas like the other ones are like a lot shorter, uh, with the exception of, I think, Blood, White and Blue. Um, I, I enjoyed watching the small acts series. I enjoyed my time with Steve McQueen. Um, but I think Mangrove really was the one that stuck out to me the most. Um, like I said a couple weeks ago, uh, it felt like it, it, it felt to me what like the trial of the Shadow Seven was trying to accomplish, which didn't quite get over that finish line, but Mangrove did. Um, I felt more raw emotion with Mangrove. I felt, I felt a plot, like more of a plot there with Mangrove than I did with trial of Chicago seven, I guess, because it was split up into two acts. Whereas like trial of Chicago seven kind of weaved its way through like the historic part and then the trial. Um, I really, I like the setup more of Mangrove, um, but that being said, besides the story, um, Sean Parks and Letitia Wright, just incredible. Um, like that, like Sean Parks came out of nowhere, um, even though he's been around, but like, I thought in this movie, he was great. Like, he, like his character just, especially in the courtroom scenes. Sorry, I like had beer and I'm like, <laughs> really good. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you got it at the mangrove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, like Sean Parks was, uh, like he really hit an emotional chord with me. Um, just like the way he was treated in the court and uh, Letitia Wright's passion and her anger and frustrations um, were very real and very raw, very emotional. Um, it just, it really, again, like, it taught me something about the <laughs> British judicial system, uh, which um, is very odd. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I just thought the writing was great. I thought this was one of Steve McQueen's best. Um, and I liked his, I liked the, I, I, I would call it the anthology experiment. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I just think there are a lot of memorable, uh, memorable scenes from Mangrove that um, uh, that'll stick with me for a while. So the end. <laughs> uh, that was just time too, just yeah. three minutes. Uh, I um, love Mangrove, loved all small acts. I'm not gonna belabor this is it TV or is it movie thing because I could go on forever. Um, one of the one of the things that like I really appreciate about um, about Mangrove is the sort of like how immersed you become in the neighborhood, right? So like it takes place in Notting Hill, uh, England, and I don't know like about you, but when I think Notting Hill, England, I think the Hugh Grant, Julia Roberts movie. Yeah. <laughs> so like you have this like preconceived sort of notion of like what you think like the neighborhood like is and like, oh, there's actually a whole other side of this, like yeah. um, this idea of like what you want. And that's what the small act series is supposed to get at. Like the whole idea of the small act series is to like, present um, particularly like the West Indian community in 
London, like, and throughout London, throughout, like, from the 60s to the 80s slash 90s. I forget if it goes into the 90s. Um, but, like, and you, Mangrove, like, the whole idea of Mangrove is that it was this restaurant in, like, in Notting Hill that was, like, just a restaurant. Like, just a place that would, like, that the community, like, could come to to hang out and like relax and like it's such an ensemble cast that like you get you feel like the deep emotions of like every single person involved and like it it does like a great job of like providing humanized voices to a story that like typically does not have that level of platform so um, so it's like not only like excellent art, but um, useful <laughs> art. <laughs> so it was not, it was also not lost on me that there are um, a few scenes of protest against um, Margaret Thatcher <laughs> coming <laughs> right off the crown. Um, felt very fresh. It's yeah uh, on Amazon Prime. So you can watch all five movies in a day. But it will not have the same impact that you didn't watch them as they came out. So yeah. I, I spent I, a lot of time with small acts. I was be, committed. I was committed. So yeah. Um I I I said this on our episode, but like I actually really like having this conversation of like, is it movie or is it TV? So um mm-hmm. just because I'm weird and love having like existential, like what does it mean to be a movie? <laughs> conversations <laughs> i don't know why uh well i mean in 2020 it's like who knows to think about yeah. yeah so all right the championship okay number twos the top two okay my number two movie of the year is nomadland uh so another repeat um, and like, like Minari, No Man Land got like a one week run in a virtual cinema um, before it hits the masses in February. Uh, and this movie is like very much a vibe, <laughs> word of the year, word of the decade, maybe. Uh, but it's like, it's a bittersweet one, though. It's a bittersweet story. So like, it's about the story of Fern, Frances McDormand. Um, and she loses her job and her husband in the Great Recession and, like, chooses to adapt this nomad um, nomad lifestyle um, and, like, basically just lives out of her van in the American West. Um, but, like, it feels real and it, like, really connects with you because it is real. Like, like you said, there are, you know, people attached to it, like, real-life people. And so all of their conversations, like especially the heavy ones, like feel like a punch in the gut um, and like really hit home. Like there are, there are scenes where I'm like uncontrollably sobbing, not just like single tear behind my, like down my face, but like holding myself, like <laughs> wailing almost, <laughs> uh, but which uh, uh, I'm laughing about it, but like it really was meaningful. And uh and it's just like this, it's a nice movie. So there's like, it's a reminder of like all the beauty that like exists in the country. Like 
physical natural beauty as well as like the beauty of friendships and relationships like people are still good <laughs> like people can be good so it's like a really human eternally human tale and um i can't wait for people to see it down the road hmm. sorry i was listening i just i'm i'm just like I kind of had a feeling that would be number two, but I'm really, I'm really curious to know what your number one is now. It's between two movies. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Oh God. Which means one didn't even make my top ten. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Wow. I'm shocked. Is, I'm like sitting well, back thinking on your list, and I'm like, wow. Oh, there is one that um, even just like going over this, I was like, uh, I should have put this in my top ten. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. So I. If, if I had the chance, I would pull an audible and put another movie in my top 10 that I didn't. I thought your top two would match my top two and I'm shocked it didn't. So, um, oh. yeah. All right. So my number two <sighs> yes. is, <laughs> oh, sorry. Rebuttal. Um, oh, 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 oh yeah. You are. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. Like, you know, okay. you've, you've heard my yeah. Okay. So there, there you go. Um, all right. So my number two is. The Five Bloods. <laughs> oh! Which I'm actually yeah. shocked I haven't heard on your list yet. So that's one of the movies I'm thinking like, hmm, is that your number one? But there's also another movie I know you loved that might also be your number one. Um, the Five Bloods, um, or as we put it, uh, Delroy Lindo's Wartime Hour. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, The Five Bloods, uh, the newest Spike Lee joint is about for uh, Black Bets, who um, go back to Vietnam seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader, who was um, well, Chadwick Boseman, uh, who appears quite a bit throughout the movie as in flashbacks and in, uh, as a memory to those four men. Um, but really, the standout performance here, well, Chadwick was great. The standout performance here is Del Rolando, uh, who I, I think has supporting actor in the bag. Um, I thought this was one of Spike Lee's absolute best uh, visually amazing and disturbing. Um, I will never forget, and I, we had a whole podcast on this, so I'm not gonna rehash it, but I'll never forget like the the mind scene, like that 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 image is ingrained in my head forever. Um, <laughs> one of the uh, one of the squad, I think played by is it I think is it Norm Lewis, Eddie, who is kind of dismembered and like just completely like his entire half of his body is gone uh, and you just see it there just see it laying on the ground while he's like still alive it's just such a disturbing thing to see um but again like it's very real and it's like that isn't even like tip of the iceberg what you would see in Vietnam and like the horrors like the real horrors like that Spike Lee shows and like the images you see are just like makes you have that much more appreciation for vets who served in Vietnam, especially black vets who were treated like absolute garbage. Jonathan Majors makes a, makes himself a household name before Lovecraft Country uh, as uh, what, as the son, plays David, uh, I think the son of Otis or Paul, the, the son of Paul, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, he's in it too. Uh, he's he also delivered they all deliver great performances the whole squad delivers great performances um and the ending is just like super violent so if you're like into violent stuff like this is the movie for you um it's a little out of the norm i think for 
Spike Lee, um, which makes it that much better. I think him kind of like going outside of his bounds, like outside of his comfort zone, um, really worked. And um, yeah, I yeah, it's just it's such a it starts out very light. I, and I also like the the pacing. It starts out very lighthearted and um, you know very like sentimental, like these four guys getting back together. But then like just you know throughout the movie, like it's a slow. Um, it's a slow transition from just lighthearted to really dark and violent and gritty. Uh, I think it's set up great, the story's great, and the acting is all around, like the talent is just par for the course. So Defy Bloods now available on Netflix. Defy Bloods. Um, do you want my rebuttal? It might give away. I, so, yeah. Uh, you do whatever you feel like is necessary. Okay. okay. Um, I'll, I'll whatever get... you say here, I'm going to know what your number one is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which is why I'm like, do I want to say it? Um, and I think, okay, I'll say it here. Um, if I redid my list, Defy Bloods would have made my top 10. Okay. Got it. We have the same number okay. one. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. think so. I thought <laughs> so. Right. Um, okay. So that's the first time I think that's ever happened. Yeah. And, um, the sole reason I just realized that I accidentally basically left Defined Bloods off my top 10 <laughs> because I wrote down my top 10 like a week ago and Defied Bloods was on it and I lost the list. So I re tried to rewrite it from memory and um, I just like forgot Defied Bloods. So it was literally, that was the only reason. And then I like looked at a list of all, like literally as we started recording, I looked at a list of all the movies I saw this year, and I was like, oh my god, you forgot to include Defied Bloods. <laughs> I'm so bad at myself. Uh, so, well, I guess it didn't stick out. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I loved it, and it was, it was only from memory, so um, yeah. so it would have, like, definitely made my, um, my top ten, if not my top five. So, um, so I, I love Defied Bloods. Defied Bloods was probably the first time um, in quarantine when I like really watched a movie and I was like, oh, I am having a great time. Like, I'm just like really enjoying myself. I was like, this is my kind of movie. And it's like, I just like really um, got like captivated by like the movie and just like got swept up in it. I think it was the first movie that I watched in quarantine that I really got swept in and just was like, I was like, okay, maybe this watching movies at home thing isn't so bad. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, I, I still would love to see it. Oh, first, but, same, yeah. same. Ditto. Like that's the ideal, that's the ideal way to see it. But like, um, the fact that I could feel that at home was like a good reminder that I was like, okay, like, you can do this. <laughs> like you can watch these like really great movies at home. Like you will not be devoid of, um, of good cinema this year. So. Yeah. I think Defy Bloods was just like, it was around the acceptance phase. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <It> <laughs> beginning of summer, mid summer, maybe. Yeah. Mid summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which they might have done last year. <laughs> All right. Well, should um, we say our number one at the same time? No, because I think we need to take a oh, that's right, yeah, quick detour before we get to our number one um, of our worst movie of the year, and um, 
Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you want to talk about either movies that you left off your top 10, like versions of My Defy Bloods, and or movies you're looking forward to in 2021, assu uh -huh. assuming they happen? I want to talk about it all. I just don't know if people will care or want to hear about it. Um, so let me talk about first. Why don't I talk first and then you can match me? Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So let's do a couple of honorable mentions first. So, before we get to number one, um, one movie we both obviously left off our list this year, um, which we had a whole podcast on and we loved was, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, um, Hamilton, uh, I thought was, you know, it blew me away, but it, it's not a movie. It's a recorded version of a stage show. Um, I'm glad I saw it. Glad I was finally had the opportunity to see it. Um, but again, not a movie. Um, if it was, you know, definitely would have been my probably number one. Um, so some others, I some like honorable mentions, if you will. Um, I already mentioned Soul. Soul would have definitely been like tied for number eleven with Onward uh, or number ten. But um, I, I did like Soul, but um, I didn't feel like I connected it with it as much as I should have, um, or as much as like other people have. So um, yeah, uh, I really liked Eurovision. <laughs> I thought Eurovision <laughs> was a lot of fun. Um, I know I'm like kind of outside of the norm here, but um, I thought the songs were great and the music was, yeah, I thought the music was just a lot of fun. And I thought the, I just thought it was a fun movie to watch. Um, uh, another one I briefly mentioned earlier was The Assistant um, with Julie Garner. I thought, I, I'm a huge Julia Garner fan. Um, she is uh, in Ozark. Um, and she's uh, she's Ruth in Ozark, and she just gives like an outstanding performance. I think she just won an Emmy. Yeah, uh, her second Emmy. She's won yeah, twice. Her second Ozark. Ozark. Yeah, yeah, and I thought she was absolutely incredible in the assistant. Um, so it's that's now streaming as well. So that's that's enough. That's a movie that came out last year that uh, like at the film festivals, but didn't debut till streaming this year. So um, one of those like awkward, weird, like is it twenty 2020 twenty or twenty nineteen? But I definitely put it on my list for this year. Um, and I guess just one more I want to talk about really was um, One Night in Miami. Uh, mm. It's it's a festival yeah. movie that I was able to see this year really early. I know it doesn't come out until later on. Um, I thought Regina King was, um, she's a fabulous director. I thought she did a great job with her first time directing. Um, but, and I thought the acting was absolutely incredible. But like, for me, um, I don't know, I, I guess... I have to go rewatch it um, when it comes out again. When it comes when it comes out again, because I didn't. I really didn't feel like I got the full immersive experience. Uh, I feel like One Night in Miami, and we'll talk about this. And remind me to talk expand more upon this. But One Night in Miami is uh, a movie I think that needs a couple of rewatches in order to get the full experience. Um, so yeah. So those are a couple of my honorable mentions. Um, I just want to real quick couple of movies I like just hated. Um, so, uh, Project Power, like, I know we talked about this, but, like, legitimately, yeah. like, I, like, was looking back on my list, and I was like, oh, my God, I forgot I saw that, like, oh, Jamie Foxx, <laughs> just so bad, it was so, so, so bad, and I was like, oh, uh, unfortunately, I wasted my time and saw Artemis Fowl, I think I had to, like, stop halfway through, and I was like, oh, my God, just, like, finish, just, like, yeah. finish this, like, That's I don't know, fault. like, what, so, yeah, just exactly. finish this so you can put this on your worst of the year list. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. um like i don't know why but like yeah just like i don't know like what like disney executive like thought like yeah i think this is okay to put on disney plus like it it just like i i don't know what you were thinking but <laughs> more power to you uh i know what they were like trying to go for but like it just did not 
work out at all for you. It's just so, so boring, so bad. Um, yeah, and I hated, like, didn't was not a fan of Hillbilly OG or, like, Midnight Sky, which I've already talked about. Um, like, I really hope George Clooney is okay because... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if this is any, like, <laughs> if this is, like, any example of, like, how he's doing mentally, it's not good. So, uh, yeah, those are some of my worst of the year. <laughs> and I, if you disagree, please let me know. <laughs> we'll, we'll duke it out. Say, um, yeah. And some movies I'm looking forward to next year. Uh, hope if they come out. Um, major, major knock on wood for everything yeah. say here. <laughs> major yeah. knock on wood. Um, really looking forward to Cherry uh tom holland's next movie um there's a little bit of a it was in the news a little bit this week with um they kind of flubbed the movie poster they released a movie poster with the title um like kind of like dismembered in it yeah it's like i guess there was like a glitch or an yeah. error yeah yeah so, that's exactly what it was yeah um really looking forward to Candyman. jordan peele's next movie uh it's a remake of the 19 oh he's produ he's producing it Oh right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. I, I keep thinking he's directing it and then and then I'm like constantly reminded, like, yeah, he's a producer. Um yeah. but like anyway. Jordan yeah. Peele inspired, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so Candyman. Um uh I'm looking forward to Halloween Kills, uh, which was supposed to come out this year, but uh, got pushed back due to the pandemic. A lot of these movies got pushed back due to the pandemic. I know, I know. Like, yeah. of course, the Marvel movies like The Eternals, Black Widow, I'm of course excited for. Um and then, you know, Dune, of course, can't wait for, uh, and no time to die in the next James Bond movie. So, yeah. So I guess that's it. Oh, and West Side Story. Yeah. Hopefully that comes out too. So, um, and I'm not, I'm not including movies that were like supposed to come out this year. Cause obviously we all know, like, I still have my list of movies, like, like the father, pieces of a woman, concrete cowboy, yeah, yeah, yeah. like those were supposed to come out this year, but like, are like kind of pushed back till like January, February, March. Um. Yeah. So, Supernova is another one. News it's, of the world. Yeah, it's going to be like a weird. Uh, so not only is it a weird year this year, but it's got also going to be weird year next year because then we're going to have to like revisit of like, okay, did that come out in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's just like it's super weird. I don't know. Like, yeah, they came out in the festivals, but like I know Minari is coming out like late January, early February. And like in any normal year, I would like see these movies. Like I would be like three movies a week. Like yeah. seeing these, like I, I don't know. Ugh, so yeah. sorry, I took up enough time. Yeah. Your turn again. This is like it's like what you make of it. Um, okay, I'll yeah. do, I'll do mine in reverse order. So my like twenty twenty one movies, which like we did a whole podcast episode on this on twenty twenty movies, which aged very poorly. Um, <laughs> Should we just delete that now? I uh, know. <laughs> movies we were thought we were looking forward to in 2020. Um, and the funny part is, I think we joked about COVID in that episode, too. <laughs> oh, no. I guess oh. I go back and listen to it. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so, oh, no. We were terrible. Uh, aged very poorly. And <laughs> um, but, like... Oh, yeah. Did you hear about this coronavirus? Yeah. <laughs> All of the all of those movies still apply. So like Dune in the Heights, um, <laughs> like uh, No Time to Die. All those like movies I'm really looking forward to um, are still apply because now they're coming out in 2021. Um, but like maybe <laughs> I know maybe hopefully fingers <laughs> crossed. Um, but like there are some other movies that like we didn't get the chance to talk about too that I'm like really looking forward to. There's a lot of movies from. Um, 
like from directors that we like don't know a whole lot about yet other than like maybe the premise or the cast like there's a new damien chazelle movie this year um there's gonna be like a macbeth adaptation with francis mcdormand and denzel washington like which sounds amazing for uh, <laughs> so um looking forward to that um uh there's a um there's the oh movie coming out in February actually on Netflix that um, starring Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage like um, called I Care a Lot which I really really can't wait for it's about like um, a scam artist like who scams like old people and like pretends that they care <laughs> about them so um, so like that's one of the the Netflix releases that I'm. The last Netflix movie you were really excited about was <laughs> really disappointing. What was it? Devil All the Time. Oh, I guess, like, I I have, like, mixed feelings on Devil All the Time. I don't think, like, the Devil All the Time is, like, a complete failure, but um, oh. but it's not, like, a complete, it's not a success either. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, there's, like, the new Guillermo del Toro um, Nightmare Alley, um, movie so um there's a new leonardo dicaprio uh jennifer lawrence movie that's like filming right now that i'm really excited about called don't look up so uh, like a lot of i'm interested in a lot of the talent that's like releasing stuff like probably later this year so um on top of literally everything that you said <laughs> so yeah yeah next goal wins taika watiti new movie with michael mm -hmm. thunder so soccer movie so that's gonna be fun so that's right up your alley i know um i'm not like a huge soccer fan but uh well no but <laughs> you're a taika waititi fan and uh and michael fassbender fan. fan yeah so those are my um uh 2021 most looking forward to um as for stuff i accidentally left either accidentally or intentionally left off my 2020 list um obviously defied bloods uh which was just an oversight on my behalf um I um, I wouldn't be a proper gay if I didn't mention my favorite <laughs> big, uh, my, I think, mark only LGBT movie. I don't think there was like an LGBTQ movie that I put in my top 10, um, but correct me if, oh, Mob Rainey's Black Bottom, I guess you could say. Um, but- Is it like- It's not, expl it's, yeah. it's explicit, but it's like, it's not, it's not crucial to the plot. I would say like it's not crucial to the plot um, but yeah. one of the characters is lgbtq um so my favorite like explicitly lgbtq gay movie of the year is called and then we danced uh it's like a foreign film from georgia about like this um dancer in Georgia, which like in Georgia is considered like very masculine to be a dancer <laughs> and uh, the country of Georgia, not the state. <laughs> and um, so uh, it's like considered very masculine to be a dancer. And so there's like a closeted gay um, person who's like in the troupe and um, falls for someone else uh, like in the ensemble. Um, and so it's like, so it's a lot about like culture and like a lot of cultures that are still um anti-gay and kind of just like what it means like like 
the whole pointlessness of the concept of masculinity in a sense. So, um, so it's like both like romantic and like inherently interesting. So, um, so that was my favorite, I would say favorite LGBTQ movie of the year. And then we danced. Um, and the other movie I'll give a shout out to, which was this close to making my top 10, um, I, for my like token comedy spot, um, I almost put Borat subsequent film <laughs> in into my top ten, um, like a movie that I still found hilarious that I put on for some reason at five in the morning because I was decided I was up and um, like got my day off on the right foot uh, and star making turn from Maria Bakalova uh, plus like makes Rudy Adi Giuliani look really bad. So, you know. Yeah, also, I'm going to maybe say help a little bit in the election of Joe Biden. A little bit. Oh, I mean, it ends with a plea to go vote. So, yeah. like. So. I was more referring to Julian's hands down defense. But. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, so thank you for a poor hat. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and everyone who voted. So, yeah. Uh, so going back to LGBT and like, I know this is not relevant at all, but um, I actually, the other night I just watched um, God's Own Country. I don't know why. Like, <gasps> oh my God, I love God's Own Country. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it was, yeah. It, it, yeah. I, and like, it's not even relevant to this podcast. You just mentioned yeah. LGBT movies and it was like the last one I watched. So um, yeah, I watched it then on Hulu. Really, really good. Um, lots of penis. <laughs> I, was <not laughs> um, I was like, well, that's uh, Prince Philip. Uh, hello. Yeah, um, Josh O'Connor. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's... Um, so yeah, now I've seen the prince's uh, 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 penis. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I got out of the movie. No, it was really good. I really liked it. It was um, it was like oh my god, but the ending was I cried that's a lot. So heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, Great anyway. movie. Great movie. Yeah. Where is it? Like you can stream it now, can't you? Am it's I... on Hulu. It's on oh, Hulu. Hulu. That's okay. that's why okay. I watched it. I was on Hulu the other night. I was yeah. looking for something. Um, I was actually going to watch Run, and then I ended up watching Gonzo Country um first because I, I wanted to see it for a while um because I, I just saw it first and yeah anyway so yeah um well that's actually like a good tie because the director of that con uh director of that country <laughs> the director of that movie um francis oh my god i'm blanking on his last name um but he directed a movie this year ammonite which is like a uh, another movie with yeah, okay. a movie with kate Winslet yeah. and sir sharonan yeah Fra francis lee yeah Lee, thank you. Yeah, Francis Lee. Um, I found like Ammonite okay, but like mostly kind of like disappointing. I thought it was going to be like amazing, and I just thought it was like okay. So, um, so that was a twenty twenty movie that I was like slightly disappointed by, but not nearly. It's like not nearly at the bottom of my list. Yeah, no, I didn't like twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the like bad 2020 movies or like stuff that you mentioned, um, Netflix, I really don't want to throw Netflix too much under the bus because they had like, they did have really great movies. Um, but like they had some stinkers. <laughs> so, um, and these are just the ones you've seen. Yeah. Uh, and, um, the one I could go like the obvious route, like I could pick something like Hillbilly LG or the prom, like both of which I just found blood. Ugh. Um, so, but like, that's kind of like the obvious, like those are, that's low hanging fruit, I think, to kind of like pick for my least favorite. So, um, my least favorite was 
um, this movie called Horse Girl, which uh, stars, <laughs> you're giving a face, but like, I don't even know that movie. <laughs> it has Alison Brie. Um, oh. I know. I know. I feel, oh. Like, I like Alison Brie, but like, I hated this movie. Um, and, uh, I met her. She was so sweet. Sorry. Oh, yeah, no, like, it, this has, like, nothing against her. I feel bad because I also think she, like, co-wrote it, too. Um, <laughs> I know. So it's, like, probably a passion project. Um, but uh, it, like, it, I, part of the reason why I, like, want to put it as my least favorite, too, is because it, try, it tries very hard to be this weird, this intentionally weird movie. And it's just like fails on all fronts too. Um, so it's like about like a girl who, like a horse girl. So like people who like love horses kind of like growing up and grew up around horse culture and riding culture. What, you meant like a minotaur? Oh no, <laughs> like a rider. <laughs> yeah. Like a jockey? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so no, because like that's like racing, but like, Oh, okay. Massage or something, you know. Yeah, like a horse rider. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you meant a minotaur, no. <laughs> like half woman, half horse. <laughs> no, that would have made for a better movie, frankly. Because <laughs> you said weird, I'm like, oh, yeah. minotaur. No, because like it's weird in the sense it's supposed to be weird because she has like, um, like. A mental breakdown she like goes throughout like a mental breakdown like in this movie um but i think it ends up being like kind of offensive question mark to people with mental mental illness because like everyone seems to like not want to support her or doing this it's like everyone's like um against her including like the mental health professionals who like they seem like they're they're presented as clueless in this movie is like they have no idea like what to do and there's um there's like nothing to show like how she developed any sort of mental illness so they're like more obsessed with the idea of her having a mental illness and like probably some sort of like schizophrenic or near like or some sort of personality disorder so she like sees things a lot so it gets like very trippy and like this movie is like more concerned about just being trippy than like actually doing something about it so um so it's like seriously misguided um in my in my friend and i think it's like i think that's ultimately harmful and like further stigmatizes mental illness um so i'm not a mental health professional so i feel like i can't speak too closely about it but um i didn't want to go for like uh, the other ones the other movies that i just thought were like bad and um i think this one's like potentially harmful so yeah so that's i would stay away from horse girl so. all right Good to know. Especially if you want to keep your like perfect Allison Bree score. <laughs> All right. Well, good to know. Um, yeah. So our worst are Project Power and Horse Girl. Both Netflix ventures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Uh, not the best. I just put Project Power because it's like, it was just so painful to get through. Like, and I knew we were going to talk about it. And like, I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to say about this movie. 
I really hope we spend a lot of time on what are you watching because I don't know what else I'm gonna. I just oh god, it was that was, was that was nightmare. like at our deepest point of like I don't know what we're gonna mention this. <laughs> so we gotta we gotta talk about something. That was that was the low point of 2020. Yeah, it was a good thing I was at the beach. So <laughs> at least I had the waves in the background. Right. All right. Well. Okay. Are we ready? Because I'm I'm also pretty sure we have the same number one. We say it at the same time. Yes. Okay. All right. One, two, two three. Three. Sound, Sound of metal. Of metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was not simultaneous, but you get the point. <laughs> it's hard to do this over Zoom. Yeah. To match. Uh, yeah. Hands down. Like, I only give um. I only gave four and a half stars to like one movie this year, and that was Sound of Metal. So, uh, four and a half out of five. <laughs> so. Everything else got four stars and three and two and lower than that. Um, I think Riz Ahmed is like perfect. Um, I think Olivia Cook is perfect. Um, I think just like thinking about Sound of Metal and the story and the plot like gets me like emotional and teary, <laughs> um, teary eyed. And I think. Uh, yeah, it's it's I think it's just such a great movie. And I don't know like what we haven't said in our podcast that we can't like or that, like we can say again, but like um because I think we pretty much covered like covered it all. But uh for me, Sound of Metal was it's my number one movie. Um because it was and I hate I hate to keep saying this, like keep belaboring this point, but like it was so real and it was so the first person perspective from Riz Ahmed losing his hearing um, and the gradual decline and um, the stages of grief he went through with with loss, especially like losing your own, affecting your health. Um, he really demonstrated how I feel like, like I would react to losing something so precious to me, like my, like the ability to hear or the, um, and the, 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 the way he handled loss was just like, it, it, like, you just felt like you were there with him. You felt like you felt, I don't think sympathy is the right word. You just, you felt a sense of like, uh, you felt like you were part of him, like you were part of his life. Um, and you get to a point in the movie where you're rooting for him to be like, to be the person to accept um, to accept this loss, to accept that he is, that he has lost something so precious. And we're all rooting for him to learn and to grow as a human being and to maybe teach others and be a role model. Um, but I mean, spoiler alert, life doesn't always work out the way you want it to, which is, I guess, the whole, which is the whole point of the movie. Um, and I think the, uh, like, again, the ending or the final third, the last, the, the, third act is is something you don't want to see something you didn't like the the it's something it's the what, what's the word I'm trying to look for here um it just it just didn't turn out the way you wanted you wanted it to turn out and I think that is the point of the whole movie um 
yeah, it just, and like the performance he gives and the final shot, like of the final shot of the film, like just really, really did it in for me too. So um, I, I just, I can't say enough good things about Sound of Metal. I thought, I just, I think <laughs> it should be talked about as like the front runner for like every Oscar that it's, <laughs> that it's eligible for. Um, yeah, especially like the sound categories. Um, but yeah, Riz Ahmed, I think, I haven't seen The Father yet, but I think Riz Ahmed should be, should easily win this Oscar. Um, so I think I mentioned this, but like the top 10 lists are like super tricky to do in general because they are this like balance of like movies that you think are technically brilliant and movies that are like just your favorites. Um, on top of that, I don't know about you, but like I want to like match the moment like a movie that like really captures the year we say this term a lot like capture the zeitgeist <laughs> a lot um oh yeah and um so like the only movie that i think did all of that for me was sound of metal uh and uh it's like it's a directorial debut on top of all this too like darius martyr uh, so, um, so I just think like, it's so mesmerizing that that is his first, first film, a uh, feature film, um, solo. And, uh, so everything that you said about like the performances, um, like Riz Ahmed playing Ruben, this heavy metal drummer, like loses his hearing and joins the deaf community. That's the sort of premise of the movie. Um, and it's everything, I think everything about it's pretty perfect. And, um, one of the things that I don't think we really covered on our episode talking about sentimental, but um, one of the its best aspects is how it doesn't like really treat deafness as something that needs to be cured. Uh, and it like talks about, you know, how disability doesn't like take away from one's humanity or like as it being like a necessity for being. Uh, and like the characters in this movie, like particularly Ruben, the main character, um, like they make questionable choices with their lives um, and they spend the rest of the movie living with those choices. Uh, and so it's like, obviously that's sad <laughs> and like inherently sad. So it's a tear tricker. Um, so, which is very appealing to me. <laughs> uh, and, but it's like, it's still immensely accessible. Um, so, and one of its like benefits in a year like that in 2020, when we've all been trapped in our homes, like Sound of Metal is something that's available readily. It's on Amazon Prime. So, um, so plenty of people can see it and see it easily. Um, and moreover, I think it's like this story about how other human beings can help us get through what we think are the worst of times and like help to reference a line, a very poignant line in the movie, like help us find our own personal kingdom of God. And just kind of that to me, like that sort of collectiveness, like that message of collectiveness um, on top of like its technical achievements uh, uh, sums up like what I would want from 2020. And uh, it's an optimistic spin on 2020 for sure, but it like it still is 
um, resonant for me. So, um, I mean, I kept, I wasn't sure like when I first started making a top 10 list, like what my number one would be, but like, I, I just like kept coming back to sound of metal thinking it would be number one and kind of at the end of the day, um, it encapsulated all those things that I just mentioned. So, um, I don't, I couldn't see a scenario where it wouldn't be number one. Yeah. When I sat down to make my top 10 list today, I like, I knew what was going to be number one, but it was like, what's everything else that's going to fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is like, so like, I was like, it's like, shoot, is he going to have sound and metal as number one or like defy blitz? So um, <laughs> I'm glad you picked the sound and metal. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's also like right. It's like about it's like a movie about. It it does capture it does definitely capture the zeitgeist of twenty twenty. It's it it is a movie about being all trapped to a point. It's like Fe feeling it's, alone, but not being alone. Yeah, and it's um. It, it's a movie about loss and overcoming that loss and how we overcome that loss and. Um, losing and 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 feeling trapped based on something that we have no control over but it's how we deal with that and who we ultimately end up being at the end of or when we finally reach that acceptance um how we deal with it all so yeah um we have plans and uh sometimes you know life gets in the way but more often than not <laughs> yeah yeah, really. Um, all right. Well, there's that. <laughs> there's that. Um, yeah. I guess we did it. We did it. Yeah. I'm not even going to try and like plan to say anything about uh, future, <laughs> my top 10 next year or anything, or try to make any predictions because I'm, I'm going to be wrong. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well. Well, we'll see you at the Oscars, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four months from now. Jeez. I know. All right. Well, um, unless we have a, you know, top of the decade to do. <laughs> I think we're all done with this. Unless you have anything else to add. No, that's it for me. I love these episodes. I love counting them down and revisiting one because... Um, because they're so exciting and like we all kind of like agree for the most part <laughs> yeah this is i think the first time we've ever had a same number one same top one yeah maybe i can't remember it's been in the news for so many years who knows so yeah all right well uh well uh 2020 has been something else and i am glad it's almost over we are recording this on New Year's Eve. So um, the countdown for the final six hours begins now. So uh, I want to, I guess, thank you so much for joining us this year and on Step and Repeat Podcast. And um, yeah, so here's to a healthier, better, uh, somewhat better 2021. Um, as my dad always said, patience and persistence. We all get through it together, I promise. So anyway, um, want to wish everyone a happy new year. Uh, be safe out there or stay inside if you're staying. Hopefully you're staying inside. Be safe when you're staying inside. Um, and yeah, we'll see you in 2021. So that's it from us. Um, and we, but we'd love to hear more from you. 
as always. So let us know what you think about the podcast and uh, what you thought about our top 10 lists. Make sure to reach us on Twitter at repeat step pod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash step and repeat pod. Um, or send us an email, step and repeat pod at gmail.com. Let us know your top 10 lists. We want to know um, what did you think about our top 10 lists and what are your top 10 movies of the year? Let us know if you want to read, on air, read them on air. We'll be glad to do so. Um, and you can see more of our reviews and our lists on Letterboxd at uh, Andrews at A Shine and I'm at M Grant 1219. All right, I think, well, at least my final list is up. Um, so you can see it there. I think, I don't know if yours is up, but, um, and always plan to sit, um, spend a few seconds to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those new reviews help us get new listeners. So um, until next time, thank you so much for listening. And I think I speak for Andrew when I say Happy New Year and that it's an honor just to be considered. <laughs>